Hey everyone, how are you? I hope you are having an amazing day or evening, depending of course when you are here. Today we are going to be doing a resume refresh, so stay with me. You are listening to the Career Talk Learn, Grow, Thrive podcast, where we talk about all things career-related, and I really just tell you how it is and get right to the point. I am your host, Stephanie Dennis, and my background is in human resources, which is what I have my master's degree in. My passion is really helping others and sharing my knowledge, so here we are. This is a good time to mention this podcast does contain adult language. All right, let's dive in. So when we think about writing a resume, it's really important that we put our best foot forward. Often, this is the first impression someone has, and they're not taking a lot of time to look at it, let's be honest. Typically, people are looking at your resume for anywhere from 5 to maybe 30 seconds. Reality being, the max is probably about 10 seconds. I know. That sucks to hear. However, it's just that much more important that we make the best resume possible, especially if we don't know anyone at the company. So it's really the resume is going to be the only thing that's going to determine whether or not you get to move forward in the interview process. Let's get into the tips here. Number one is have consistent formatting. So oftentimes when I am reviewing resumes, I'm looking at people who you can tell they had a resume maybe seven years ago. They had a couple different jobs since then. They've added on, but they maybe did it on a different computer or in a different program and the font is off and the formatting is different. And I'm like, wait, what is happening here? It looks kind of just like a hodgepodge. And I'm just like, do they just not care? You know, that's like the first question question that I, that honestly runs through my head is like, do they just not give a shit? So consistent formatting. So looking at is the font the same throughout the entire resume? Is the spacing the same? And by spacing, I mean like, is one particular job double spaced and another job single spaced or one and a half spaced? You know, you can tell when you look at a resume quickly the spacing because honestly, people aren't reading your resume for 10 seconds. They're just looking at it broadly and saying, okay, does this look like it's put together? Does this have the basic information I need? If the answer is yes, then they may read into a little bit more about what you're actually putting on there. You know, make sure the form formatting is consistent around the dates. So if you have 2010 to 2015 on one of your jobs, and then the other job has left parenthesis 2010-2020, right parenthesis, right? Like, it's like, hold on, what is, what's going on here? Like, why does this look different? What's different about that job? You know, and you start to wonder like, why is that one different? And was that contract or was that a normal job? Like what's happening? The titles. So make sure that's consistent as well. Again, the consistent font, consistent spacing, making sure that if you are the naming that you're using for your titles is consistent. Abbreviations, whether you use them or not, personally, I don't care. (laughs) But if you abbreviate something, but then don't abbreviate another thing, especially if it's the same word, right? So just be very consistent across the board. A good example of that is when people are usually abbreviating a law or a rule or when they are referencing something. The use of capital letters, just making sure, again, it's consistent. City and state, maybe you have city, comma, full spelling of the state. Maybe you have city, comma, just the two letters for the state, 
whatever it is, just as long as it's consistent and making sure your headers are consistent as well. If you decide to use them, I don't feel like it's necessary, but if you're going to use them, they better be consistent, (laughs) right? All right. Number two is having a keyword brainstorm and just sprinkling those in. So what I mean by that is if you are trying to get a job in, let's say, for example, marketing, and you want to get a job in content marketing, I would then type in to like a thesaurus content and figure out what other words are coming up. Google the word content, what other words are coming up and do a quick brainstorm and making sure that, you know, looking at also the job descriptions on LinkedIn and Indeed and do you have the words that the employers are using in their job descriptions, right? So making sure that you are not necessarily like loading all these words into your resume just to have them, you know, so keywords stuffing as you may have, you know, heard it referenced in other places, right? But more so in like a very authentic way and just making sure that you're using the same words because that's going to be important, especially if you are working with a recruiter who maybe isn't an expert in content marketing, right? Number three, when you are listing out or referencing a tool or a software or whatever it might be, be specific. So oftentimes a company is going to have a particular software, right? So instead of like, let's say recruiting, for example, Of course, I use an ATS every single day. However, I can guarantee you the next company I work for is going to want to know which ones I know. And it's not always a deal breaker, but it can definitely help you stand out above other people. So for example, if I know Workday and Greenhouse and iSims and I'm trying to think of some of the more legacy ones, right? But anyway, so I know all of these. I think I've used like four, maybe five or six different ones. They're all listed on my resume, every single one that I know but it's specific. It's also something that recruiters or a sourcing team may actually be targeting specifically. So if you have that listed on your resume or your LinkedIn profile, you may be sought after more often because of that. So maybe it's a software, maybe it's a technology, maybe it's a methodology, maybe it's applications, whatever it is, be specific. Don't just say used a software application to do blah, blah, blah. It's like, what did you use and what did you do, right? Number four, same thing we were just talking about, right? So when it comes to rules or laws or guidelines, make sure that you are being specific as well as making the naming convention consistent. So maybe you're going to abbreviate everything or spell everything out, but just making sure, again, it's consistent. Number five, if you have worked for the same company, tuck all of those jobs under that company. So oftentimes people will put, you know, ABC company project manager, ABC company project coordinator. And that's when you glance at it, and especially if you've only been in those roles for like a year or so, if someone is looking too fast, it will look like you are job hopping. So you need to be sure that you put ABC company tab over for each role so it looks like it's tucked under that company and the dates are aligned to the line 
of the company name. And you can put even in like parentheses next to the job title if you really want to show like how long you were in each role. However, making it clear that like this is all under the same company. Hopefully that makes sense. If you have questions, let me know. I can do like a quick, you know, drawing or something and post it to Instagram. Number six, making sure that headings are consistent and they make sense. So, you know, when we look at which headings we're going to use on a resume, you know, things that make sense, right? Your experience, however you want to say that. Work experience, professional experience, just experience. We don't care. Education, you know, certificates or licenses, inventions or patents. What doesn't make sense? Personal information. Absolutely not. Like, no. (laughs) I see a lot of resumes that will put, you know, personal information on there and... The problem is most of the personal information people decide to put on their resume, we shouldn't be knowing that information. So keep it off there. Some people do interests, you know, like, I don't know, church and camping and cooking or whatever. I don't love those sections. I think it allows people to make judgments based on who you are as a person versus what your experience could bring to the table. I think it's something that was really great for like, you know, when a new hire starts and we send out an introduction to list out that you like all those things on a resume, I would never put it on mine. I'll say that just doesn't give the level of professionalism that I would typically prefer to see from the people I'm hiring. Number seven, there is no references anywhere on your resume. And, and hold on, there is also that ridiculous line. Most people have gotten away from putting it on there, but you know, references available upon request. Let me tell you, recruiters and hiring managers and HR, if we need something, we will ask you for it. It just, it takes up space. It's distracting. It looks like clutter. I just take it off. Number eight, specific numbers. There's a theme here, right? Consistency and specificity. If you're in a sales position, you sold widgets. How many widgets did you sell? What was your goal? What was your percent to goal, right? Let's say you are in a leadership role or a financial position and part of your job is to find ways to save the money company. Okay, by like doing what and how much did you save and what was your percent to budget, right? So all of the specifics that if you actually did that thing and not just saying you did it, (laughs) hint, hint, because that's what people assume if there's no specifics, right, are going to make you look like a rock star. So it's like, I don't know why people wouldn't put it on there unless it's BS. Maybe you are making the widgets and part of your job is to figure out how to increase production by doing what, by how much, what was the goal and what did you achieve, right? So the specific numbers around what you're doing. Number nine, the words that you use can be important if someone is reading your resume word for word. That's not common at the recruiting level, it is common at the hiring manager level. You know, words like manager versus leader, not necessarily in a title, but like as you're describing, like manage four people, let a team of four people, right? Like what sounds better? You know, kind of to that same point, let a team versus had four subordinates. I mean, you don't need to know which one I think sounds better. (laughs) I should say, you don't need me to tell you which one of those sounds better, right? So, Just be mindful of the words you're using. Number 11, education. This is pretty straightforward. You need your degree on there. Most people want a degree, require a degree, prefer a degree, you know, all of the degrees of the things, right? But remove your dates, remove the GPAs. Here's the thing. Even if you have, I think in my master's program, I had a 3.92 or 3.93, almost perfect, but I can fucking guarantee you. (laughs) 
there are a lot of people out there that maybe they did an advanced course or they had the perfect 4.0 or 4.0, you know, oh four, you know, whatever they did to get above that. And instead of looking at my experience, if that's what it comes down to, right, and people start comparing, it's like, okay, really? Like, is that going to be the deal breakers? Like someone got one more A than I did or like an A plus when I just got an A. It's like, it's just ridiculous. So take it off there. It Even if you're in the threes, you think it's going to help and sometimes it will actually hurt you, which is the most insane thing. If you're in the twos, for the love of God, take it off. Like, no. So I don't like GPAs. I don't like the dates on there unless you're a recent grad. And if you're a recent grad, I still want to put your GPA on there. I honestly don't know of any company that's like, what's their GPA? It's like, what? Who? Who asked that? You know, and again, if you are in like an oddball situation, trust me, like I said, recruiters, hiring managers, HR, if we want to know something, we'll ask for it. But the dates, like I said, unless you're a recent grad, take it off there. A reason being pretty straightforward. I don't want anyone to make assumptions on the negative side, right? Based on any sort of graduation date that you put on your resume. You know, even for mine, I remember when I first graduated, I had my graduation date on there. I didn't get into HR for another like four or five years. And so I didn't put any irrelevant experience on my resume because like, you know, once you're in HR, your account manager job is kind of pointless at that point. And so someone actually asked me like, oh, what did you do for four years after graduation? I was like, worked my ass off. (laughs) However, because I put my dates on there, they assumed I did nothing. And I was like, oh, And then, so then I had to go and explain, you know, the different roles that I had, which is fine, but it just, it was experience that didn't matter to the interview. I don't even think the person wrote it down, like that irrelevant. I would just take them off. Number 11, if you are in a role where it makes sense, be sure to include your clients, your customers, what industry you're in, because oftentimes those specifics will help you actually stand out in like the best way possible. So let's say, for example, you're in sales and you are selling widgets to industry one. And I'm a recruiter looking for people who have sold widgets in industry one, but you don't have that on there. So I don't know what you sold or who you sold it to. If someone else does have that information that I need, I'm going to call them first. So if it makes sense, and even your customers, right? If you are a customer service person, who do you talk to all day? Who are you helping out? Account managers, you know, like even as a recruiter, my customer, is my hiring manager, right? So who am I supporting and what teams do I recruit for? So think about it and it's more often than not, it's going to be an internal customer unless you are in what is referred to as a client-facing role, right? Where you have maybe a sales role or an advertising position or whatever that might be. But we all have customers. We all have to do a job for somebody, right? Number 12, if you are in a contract role, Make sure that you list that, whether it is, you know, recruiter, parentheses, contract, or recruiting consultant. I don't care how you list it. Just make sure that if it's a contract, you put wording on your resume that will make it clear. Because if you're in a one-year contract and you then move to another one-year contract and then another one-year contract, you've been extremely stable, right? From a contracting perspective, you have no gaps in employment. However, if no one knows it's a contract, it's going to look like you're a job hopper. Number 13, make sure that your contact information is at the top of your resume. That includes your email 
and your phone number. We rarely call people these days, let's be all the way honest, because nobody answers their phone anymore, which is fine. However, when it comes to a phone interview, (laughs) it feels like freaking common sense, but let me tell you, y'all, we need to be able to call you. Like, come on. Contact information at the top. Don't make someone go digging for it. At the bottom of the third page of your resume, it's like, what the hell? Put it at the top. Email and phone number. Number 14, the amount of work experience that you list, make sure it's irrelevant or at the most at that like 10 to 15 year range. It's unlikely, one, what you did 27 years ago is relevant anymore. Technology and methodologies and process, it just changes too much for that to be realistic that it makes sense to put it on there. And I also, kind of going back to your education and removing your graduation date. I don't want anyone to make bad assumptions or negative assumptions based on how long you've been in the workplace because that's not cool. Also, to that end, when we're listing out our work experience, your most recent role has to be at the top. I don't know why some people don't put it at the top. It's like they, instead of like going in like descending order, they put it in like ascending order. Maybe it's flipped whatever. Like if you have 15 years of experience on there, don't start with what you did 15 years ago. Start with what you're doing now or most recently if you're not working. 15, pretty straightforward. Be honest. Number 16, figuring out what is the goal of your resume. So if you are making a resume just to keep it updated in case someone reaches out to you, great. If you are making a resume because you want to get this particular job, perfect. Make sure you know what the goal is when you're creating the resume so you can tailor it to achieve that goal. Number 17, figure out who can review your resume and give you really honest feedback. So this is probably not your mom. It's probably not, you know, um, your dad. I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of like the biased people in your life. Your parents for sure. It may or may not be a spouse depending on how type of relationship you have or, or your, your partner, right? You know, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a friend, whoever it is. If you want me to review your resume, I do offer those services. I do not write resumes because I do not believe you should hire a resume writer ever. However, if you want someone to review it, I have those services. You can head over to listen to careertalk.com to figure out more. Essentially, I print your resume. I make numbers next to everything that catches my attention or may need to be changed. And then I'll write up each number, an explanation of what caught my eye, and then give you general resume feedback as well, and then scan it back and send you uh, my notes. So pretty thorough. (laughs) It takes honestly quite a bit of time. However, I do think it's important to have someone review it. So whether it's a friend for free, which is great, or me, you can pay me to do it as well. Always happy to help out there. Number 18, making sure that your resume matches your LinkedIn profile. Some of the shadiest things that like cross my mind is when I go to someone's LinkedIn and I don't often go to the LinkedIn because I felt like it's just more frustrating than anything when I go to people's LinkedIn because they usually don't match is if on your resume it says director and on your LinkedIn it says, I don't know, like some sort of individual contributor position. You're like, hold on, (laughs) what is happening here? Make sure they match. I don't go to LinkedIn that often unless I'm recruiting someone from LinkedIn, right? However, hiring managers definitely do. Number 19, bullets over paragraphs win every single time on a resume. I do not understand why people think in 2019 you should have paragraphs on paragraphs on paragraphs on paragraphs on your resume. 
no, stop. It should be bullet points. Everything should be quick and easy to read and glance at. So if I look at your resume for three seconds, I can make a determination on if I want to read it further or not. And if it's a bunch of paragraphs, the answer is going to be no. I don't have time for that. Number 20. This is a little old school. but I still like to do it. If you are going for an in-person interview, bring your resume on resume paper. Yes, world, we have resume paper. It's professional. It looks nice. It makes you stand out. It's thick. It has a watermark on it. Make sure you don't print your resume on the watermark that's facing upside down because that just makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. So if you're going to do it, do it right, but it will make you stand out. Number 21, if you have an objective on your resume, take it off. Like right now, yesterday, it shouldn't be on there. Number 22, also what shouldn't be on your resume, no capital letters. I don't know why people think it's appropriate to convey a yelling tone in your resume. It's not. It's also not appropriate to do that in an email to your recruiter. I actually called someone out for this the other day. They had emailed me and like, Half of their email was in capital letters and half of it was not. And I responded because they had a question and I responded and, and then I literally put in my email back. I don't think the use of capital letters is necessary. Like I was so annoyed. Like, why are you yelling at me right now? <laughs> because that is the tone that you convey when you are typing in all capital letters. And hardly ever is it necessary to communicate a tone of yelling and zero percent is it necessary if you want a job from the person you're yelling at like i promise you that will not end well (laughs) number 23 another thing to remove from your resume is compensation information don't put it on there with all the new laws around compensation and what people can ask and how they can ask it just don't it feels messy and also it could hinder your ability to get the best possible offer because you've put all your cards on the table. Like you, let's say you make $100,000 and the role that you are interviewing for the midpoint is 130 and the range starts at 115. You're probably going to get 115 because that's still $15,000 increase, right? So it's 15%. That's significant. So yeah, just don't do it. It could hinder you. It's messy. It's cluttered. It's just not necessary or helpful and could hurt you. So take it off. Number 24, personal details such as your marital status, how many kids you have, all of those things, take it off. Like those two specifically are legal issues. Like recruiting and HR cannot ask someone if they're married. They cannot ask someone if they have kids. They cannot ask someone what their race is. We cannot ask someone what their age is. And so many resumes have that information on there. And it's one, it's clutter, it's unnecessary, and it's super messy. So just take it off there. I probably will never understand that one. But you know, if I don't really want the fact that you like to go snowboarding on your resume, I definitely don't want to know how old you are, how many kids you have, whether you're married or not. Definitely not. Take it off. So I hope that was helpful. Again, if you want me to help you with, you know, resume consulting, head over to the website. You can review, you know, how we can work together there. Again, it's listen to queertalk.com for more information. If you have other questions that you want answered on the podcast, I have a Google survey I'll leave in the show notes. Head over there, enter them. I'm happy to answer those on the podcast. 
I hope you found this information helpful and valuable. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and listen and support the show. I appreciate you. You can find the show notes over at stephdennis13.com. You can also support the show on that same website. You can do PayPal or Anchor. Also on the Anchor app, if you want to leave me a voice message, you can do that as well. If you are enjoying the podcast, please take a moment, leave a rating and or review. It really helps and I very much love reading them. Uh, you can find me over on the socials over at at stephdennis13 and the Career Talk podcast has their own Instagram these days. It's at Career Talk Podcast. Check it out. We are written, produced, hosted, and edited by yours truly. You are so amazing so awesome, so fantastic. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.